You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. And welcome back this morning to Real Presence Live. We are coming to you from St. Mary's Church in Cook, Minnesota, part of the Diocese of Duluth. Mark Cheney here, along with Father Nick Nelson. We are joined by Father Joel Hastings from the Diocese of Duluth. Good morning, Father Joel. Good morning. How are you this fine morning? Terrific, thank you. Awesome. I'm sure I'm sure he's busy. All priests, you know, at last <laughs> final preparations, getting music and servers, you know, getting the you know, sanctuary and the church is ready for this evening. So, Father Joe, we thank you for taking a time out to, to be with us, and I think our listeners appreciate uh, the hours and our, our discussion so far have been really good, I think, as far as getting us into the Sacred Triduum, and, and so we're, we're glad to have you on with us. What is uh, your role within the Diocese of Duluth? Because that role, I believe, is very makes you very um, qualified to discuss, you know, what we're going to be speaking about today. Well, I've been the uh, diocesan director of the liturgy department for several years now, and whereas that more visibly takes on the role of being the MC at the diocesan liturgies, the chrism mass, the ordinations, and the like, certainly, and I say this somewhat in jest, but through the years I've become kind of a liturgical hotline, and so when the brother priests have questions about what to do in this particular circumstance or that, um, whether it's the Triduum or any other kind of liturgical uh, worship that we have. I tend to field a lot of those extra questions that aren't necessarily always clear in the, the rubrics or the instructions for the various rites. So certainly that's a, an important element of what I've been asked to do. Yeah, so especially this week, um, <laughs> uh, you're, you're, every time you're away from your phone offering Mass and you get back to your, your phone, you're probably uh, wondering how many text messages or voicemails you're going to have to respond to us brother priests saying, Father, what do we do here? What, what, how does this work? You know. Um, so yeah, we're, we're very yeah. grateful <laughs> for your expertise. So we're in the middle of the Tritum. Explain what that is. Well... I, I would say, in a sense, we're not really in the middle of it just yet, because, okay. honestly, it, it's, it's about to begin. It's uh, this evening, uh, we begin the the three moments of the Triduum, hence Tri-Triduum, that being the Mass of the Lord's Supper, as he you know, offers the Last Supper with his disciples that we commemorate and enter into through our own offering of the Holy Mass, and then, like on to how our Lord then went out to the Garden, we end the Mass tonight by not really ending. Instead, there's the uh, going out to the altar of repose, as it's called, where the, the reserved Eucharist that is consecrated at this particular Mass tonight is then placed elsewhere, away from the, the altar in the, the actual church, at least when possible. Obviously, some churches, because they're maybe smaller or just architecturally, they don't have a good place to set up a either a side altar or in another location, even outside the physical church, they can't do this. But at any rate, you know, the the tone is meant to be that we process with the Eucharist out to a, a separate place where we then, you know, in kind of following how our Lord went to the garden and told his apostles to stay awake and pray, that we're able to have time of prayer in the presence of the Blessed Sacrament, truly really entering into this moment of his 
passion. But then the end is kind of uh, subdued or in a real way, you know, not not all that um, kind of definitive. Because tomorrow, then, we pick right up with the service of the Lord's Passion in the second of the three moments in which we commemorate, you know, primarily the cross of our Lord, and we do that through the Liturgy of the Word, with particular emphasis on the Passion narrative according to John that is uh, read and meditated upon. And then we have within that um, Liturgy of the Word, there are general intercessions, and these take on a whole higher level versus what we're used to at, you know, Masses that are offered day to day, where there's particular intentions that the whole Church universally is praying for, and then after these intentions, we have the uh, adoration of the cross, and in a sense, the commemoration of our Lord's carrying of His cross, but then an opportunity for us to to adore the cross and, and truly offer our, our fitting homage to our Lord through His cross. You know, But then there's also the opportunity for communion within this service of the Lord's Passion, or at least typically there is, and, and thus you know, we are able to, to be united in that way as well. Um, the thing about tomorrow is that it's not Mass. It's simply a, a prayer service, liturgical though it be. And, you know, the offering of the Mass, it takes place tonight. But then there is no offering of Mass on Good Friday, nor on Holy Saturday during the day. So Saturday is kind of a day of anticipation. And, you know, I speak only for myself on this, but I always love kind of the the sense of Holy Saturday, even though if you look out the window at a busy street like I'm able to do where my rectory is located here in Duluth, I've got one of the major thoroughfares right in front of me, you know, people are going about their day as though it's just another Saturday very often, which is maybe not a good testimony to our culture at this time. But at any rate, if you enter in, there can be a kind of a tone about Holy Saturday of, okay, the Lord is in the tomb, and we're anticipating this coming forth from the tomb and, and making ready. And so we're trying to stay in the moment and keep our, our fasting, keep our penances, but also, you know, be people of hope and, and readiness for, for what will come then once the uh, sun has gone down and the skies are dark, and then we are able to come into that third moment of our Triduum, the, the Holy Vigil during the night, or what the Roman Missal even calls the Mother of All Vigils, where we keep vigil, and thus we have the, the proclamation of the prophets of old, and the, the, all that anticipated Jesus coming into the world to fulfill the Old Testament and establish the New Covenant. And then we enter into that moment through the, our first singing of the, the glory to God, even though there is a glory at tonight's Mass, that glory at the Easter Vigil is, is carried out with, you know, our candles being lit on the altar and, you know, the bells being uh, rang in the Church, proclaiming that He is risen. And then we enter into the New Testament with the reading from Romans and in our Gospel. But then we also have the, the receiving into the Church, the catechumens, those preparing for baptism as adults, um, and very often the re reception of people who are already Christian through baptism, but not Catholic, through their uh, being received into the Church and being confirmed um, as part of this testament to our new life in Christ and, you know, the receiving of those who've been preparing all these days 
leading up to Easter to enter into the fullness of the life of the Church. And then, of course, our, our Holy Mass is brought to its right completion through uh, Liturgy of the Eucharist, as we are accustomed to, but I, I should back up and mention, too, that everyone in the Church at the Easter Vigil renews their baptismal vows, and thus all of us, in a real sense, are, are drawn into this uh, greater sense of new life in our Lord, and able to you know, celebrate the moment anew each and every time. And so these are kind of the three key moments, the Holy Thursday, Mass of the Lord's Supper, the Good Friday uh, celebration of the Passion of the Lord, and then the Holy Vigil on, or the, the, the Vigil on Holy Saturday night, you know, anticipating Sunday morning. This is great. Um, Father Joel Hastings, who's a director of liturgy for the Diocese of Duluth, and he's taken time um, to, to be with us this morning. Um, you've kind of given us a good outline, and there's even some, I think, some more particulars, some things that I'm even interested about. Um, some people may know at Holy Thursday, for example, during the consecration, normally they would hear bells, but uh, at their parishes, they might hear something a little different during the consecration. What's that all about? Well, when I mentioned bells at the Easter Vigil, the truth is we also can ring bells during the Gloria at the Holy Thursday Mass, okay. and many parishes do. They will toll their bells if they have a bell tower or the altar server with the, the bells at the altar will be ringing those continuously during the entire singing of the Gloria, but then they go silent. Um, and, you know, likewise, you know, music is meant to be more subdued from that point on. So you don't have you know, any kind of instrumental music as interludes, let's say, between moments. It should be silent, and that the singing should be more subdued, with organ and that being just to kind of help carry the tune, rather mm -hmm. than having fancy kind of descants and the like. Yeah. Um, but the truth is, then many parishes will use what is called a crotalis, and I have to confess, uh, one of the brother priests in the diocese taught me what that name is just a week ago. I never knew that, that the name of the wooden clacker was called a crotalis until a week ago yesterday. Um, but at any rate, that is used as that indicator of the sacred moment. So rather than having bells when the, the elevations of the Blessed Sacrament take place, you would utilize that. And the same is true on Good Friday. They will use that crotalis to indicate during those solemn intercessions that were referred to earlier as the end point of the silent time, because each prayer is set up where there's an intro and then a time of silence for every person to call to mind, you know, what is on their heart relating to that particular petition, and then that catalysis is struck so as to signal now is the time for the actual intercessory prayer where everything is brought together and lifted up to the Lord. So... There's a starkness to it, and that catalyst, it almost gives you the sense of almost like the hammer hitting the nails, let's say, as just mm -hmm. one image. Certainly there can be other images there, but um, you have this very stark and kind of blunt way of characterizing this moment of our Lord lowering himself and accepting death and truly dying to the world and, and all that 
the world presents to us as beautiful and good is sort of put aside for this time as we enter into the depths with our Lord. And of course, it's all going to be raised up and not just raised up to any point, but to its proper glory when he himself rises. So smells and bells, as it were, or non-smells and non-bells, as it can be. <laughs> yeah, I, being, I love the, uh, I look forward to, uh, you know, I like the technical term clapper, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, and I I was tempted, my sacristy is about 100 feet away from here, I was going to run over and get my clacker so people could hear it, but I just don't didn't want to rush over there and run back and uh, risk uh, missing you. But I didn't even know to use it during the the solemn intercessions for Good Friday, so that's that's good. I'm glad I, you mentioned that because we'll use that uh, tomorrow. That's beautiful. Um, Holy Thursday, continuing at the end, you mentioned that altar of repose, and Father Joel Hastings, I know you studied at the North American College in Rome as well for theology, and I don't know if you did this, but that was one of the most edifying times I found during my time in Rome. Uh, a lot of the time it was quite underwhelming the faith in Rome. You have these beautiful churches and for example you'd show up on a Sunday to Mass and there might be like, you know, five older ladies and a you know an older man there and just kinda of empty. But Holy Thursday, many of those churches would still set up altars of repose. And so what you would do is the goal is to get to maybe seven or twelve of them and you just go from church to church. You'd walk from one church, spend maybe five minutes in prayer and silence and go to another one and all these different churches would have different altars of repose set up with beautiful uh, flowers and candles and stuff like that. And you would also see groups of pilgrims from, you know, Spain or they're making these walks, you know, as well to these different churches and so it was really a beautiful time in Rome to, to do that. And the idea, as you know, is to, you know, we need to spend time uh, with our Lord in the, the garden as he asked um, Peter, James, and John to do, to, to pray with him in that moment. Do you remember that at all? Did you partake in that at all, Father Joel Hastings? A absolutely. And I have to confess, when you first started, I wasn't quite sure where you were going with that, because I was <laughs> thinking to myself, okay, I'm trying to remember what we did at the, the North American College on the yeah. years when we had the Triduum at the college. But then when you brought up the altars of repose in the city, absolutely, yes. I remember well going to you know various churches, some near. If we had the time, we could get maybe a little further out from where yeah. the college was located. But just, yeah, a beautiful memory that as you bring that up of just seeing how, you know, much devotion there truly was. You know, yeah. some of these altars of repose were just stunning in terms of how they would be laid out and drawing your focus into our Lord's uh, presence there, reserved in, in tabernacles amidst all the, the flower arrangements and the, you know, the various artworks that they would set up there. Yeah. This is something I... Beautiful thing. I would, yeah, this is something I'd love, you know, <laughs> no, Cook Tower and Orr, you know, you'd have to drive quite a bit to get to the next church. But some of our bigger cities, you know, in our listening area, you know, I'd, even if there's three churches, I think that'd be a great tradition to start up and encourage between families to, you know, go from one church and to the other. And then maybe at the end of the night, you go to Dairy Queen together or something. But, uh, you know, beautiful tradition, I think we could, could start up again and maybe encourage yeah. our... Our, our families to, to do that. Granted, you couldn't walk, but you could hop into the family van or in a car and, and do this as, as groups and families. 
Yeah, um, in fact, about yeah. I want to say because last year was the year of COVID, so it may have been two years ago, or if not two, it was three years ago. I remember with some of the youth from the parish here right in Duluth where we have several parishes. Yeah. I think we were able to make it to about five of the, the parishes. That's beautiful. You know, there's our own being one of those five. Mm-hmm. And that was that was really a powerful experience just with them even to go from one to another. And then you can kind of, yeah, rate and compare the altars of repose and <laughs> yeah. the most flowers and colorful. Um you mentioned Good Friday and, you know, that we receive communion, but it's not Mass. Um, why don't we have Mass on that day? Yeah, why doesn't the Church, why don't we offer another Mass on that day, Father? Well, it, it, in truth, I'm not necessarily going to give a, a technical answer there, Yeah. Um, not having really made the time to give a complete answer, let's just call it. Yeah, yeah. But, but I think part... Part of the tenor of Good Friday is, of course, this is when, you know, our Lord himself is, you know, offering himself on the cross, and accordingly, um, what he commemorated the night before on on Holy Thursday and, and gave to us as the commemoration of Good Friday, you know, they hold together as one moment. And so... You know, our, our communion on Good Friday is meant to be that which was consecrated at Holy Thursday. And so it's not as though a, a new offering of the Mass is necessary, because we're still in that that unity of the one moment of the Triduum. Um, mm-hmm. And thus our, our partaking of communion on, on Good Friday, then, is less about partaking of the fullness of the sacrifice and more about just as it is, communion, being in union with the Lord, now who is in his hour of death, and, you know, consummating, in a real way, the sacrifice that he left as a memorial at the Last Supper. So, like I say, that might not get to the whole depth of it, but I I think that at least gives uh, a broad kind of interpretation. Yeah. I think it's, it's also the idea that, you know, we get this ritual... Um, the sacrifice to be offered. Um, we can do it every single day, and it's it's so powerful. And one day of the year, though, the Church says, instead of doing this sacrifice that Christ gave us, we want you to focus in on the actual event, his death, and just kind of yeah enter into that uh, reading of the Passion, praying on that actual historical moment of, of Jesus actually dying um, on the cross for us. Father, um, Thank you so much. Um, what kind of advice would you have for people listening, you know, and about entering into the Sacred Triduum? Any sort of motivation you can say cause to actually attend these events? Or, yeah, what would you want to say to people as we close? I, I would say one of the things, and this, this can be hard for us in our kind of being programmed to want to kind of understand things and, in a sense, risk I say it this way, want to kind of be more proactive about stuff as though it it comes down to our being more in control of things. One of the things more and more I, I like to encourage people with, not just for the Triduum, quite honestly, but participation in the liturgy across the board, whether it's Mass or any of the sacraments, is an awareness of what God is seeking to accomplish in us. And so to allow the liturgical rites to be as they are, 
and to open yourself then, you know, like the Blessed Virgin Mary, who was receptive and ready to say, yes, let it be done according to thy word. So to just allow these things to happen, you know, obviously singing the responses that you can, minding that some in our listening area perhaps are able to sing versus others where there's still restrictions. Um, saying those responses, meditating when it's time to meditate on the, the spoken word of the scriptures, etc., but just allowing what is happening to just be drawn up into it rather than wanting to try to understand or, in a sense, kind of narrow down the details to what it might mean to you or, or how you can make it more meaningful. Just let it kind of pour over you. Let it just resonate and draw you in. And I think this is something that we practice, and certainly the Triduum serves as the, the proper time for us to just live this way, our participation. So that would kind of be the, the word I would give. Father Joel Hastings, thank you so much for joining us this morning on Real Presence Live. We've been talking with Father Joel Hastings from the Diocese of Duluth. This is Real Presence Live on Holy Thursday. We are coming to you live from St. Mary's Church in Cook, part of the Diocese of Duluth. And we have a busy schedule, Father, as as many of the congregations do uh, in our listening area. Kind of quickly, uh, a preview of tonight's uh, services. Yeah, you know, we have our... uh, Mass of the Lord's Supper, as many places will do, and then Holy uh, Good Friday, and then the Easter Vigil and Easter Sunday Masses. And uh, it's been so great to kind of, this is our last live show before the Trudum. Um, tomorrow there'll be some great programming, but uh, no live show. And so we just want to encourage everyone to enter uh, into the, the Sacred Trudum as best they can, most especially by attending their liturgies at their parish. And then uh, well, the next live show will be, I believe, the Monday of Easter, after Monday after, Tuesday, Tuesday after Easter. Okay. Um, and uh, we just wish everyone a blessed Triduum and a happy Easter. And thank you for joining us today on Real Presence Live. This has been Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Real Presence Live brings you inspirational stories of faith and a look at the good and holy things happening in our local area. Weekday mornings from 9 to 11 Central. Tune in for an encore of each show beginning Saturday morning at 6. Get the podcast anytime of day or night at yourcatholicradiostation.com or on the Real Presence Radio app. And remember, you can be a part of the conversation through Facebook and Twitter. Real Presence Live, local, engaging, and live on the Real Presence Radio Network.